This is It's PR Darlings, a podcast all about the dark arts of public relations, publicity and all things media. You know what? It's an excellent drinking game at a PR Christmas party. Who, you know, whose parents understand what they do and you're bound to be drunk in the next half an hour. Join us to learn more about the world of PR and how it can help build your business. What you will never be able to measure is the value you saved because of the stories you stopped. And if you're just starting out in a PR or communications role, then come along for the ride. We'll be chatting to all kinds of experts, journalists and producers. There is a reason why PR is a profession, really. You know, you need skills, you need contacts, you need experience, you need to understand newsrooms. I'm Greer Quinn from Forward Communications. Good talent, David. Thank you. (laughs) And I'm Jo Stone from Sticks and Stones PR, and together we are your PR darlings. You're listening to It's PR Darlings, the podcast all about the dark arts of public relations, publicity and all things media. I'm Jo Stone. And I'm Greer Quinn. And we're here to demystify the industry. So with that in mind, each of our episodes is brought to you by one of those weird bits of journalism jargon that get bandied about. And today's word is talent. You might be surprised to discover that when journalists talk about the talent, they actually might mean you. And if you're decent talent, then journos will keep coming back for more stories. So we have a couple of tips and tricks for you coming up in the show on how to be not just good talent, but great talent. Another thing that we want to do is introduce you to some of the professional services that can generally make life easier in PR. Today, we're pleased to be talking with David Skipinka, who heads up media database and technology company Tellum. Tellum is a subscription-based service used by PR professionals that provides up-to-date media contacts, as well as journalist information and media outlet details. And on the flip side, it also provides opportunities for journalists to reach out with requests for interviews or case studies. And there's more you can do with Tellum, including keeping track of your pitches, finding out about industry employment with the newly launched jobs board, and you can search the whole database by industry sector, location, topic, or audience keywords, just to name a few. Welcome to It's PR Darlings, David. We're really excited to talk to you. There's so many layers to tell them. How do you actually describe yourselves? Do you have any easy way of explaining all the amazing things the platform can do? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, look, it's it's not an easy business to understand uh, until you get into it. Then it's super easy. So at its core, Tellem is a a media relations platform. Uh, We house a list or a database, if you want to call it that, of basically every single journalist in Australia, New Zealand, and then across wider Asia Pacific as well. So the idea is that if you're trying to get in touch with journalists or you're trying to use media to promote your business, you can log in and find out very, very quickly every journalist who's covering a particular uh, topic or sector or even geographic region. And then sort of you go on and get in touch with them and and hopefully they're either going to promote your business or you're going to work with them, you know, on particular stories that they're interested in. And David, you've got a background in public relations and communications. You've worked for E! Entertainment, launching the Kardashians in Australia, and you've also worked for Fortune 500 companies overseas in corporate affairs. So you've actually done the job. 
What do you think's the biggest issue that Telem helps solve for PR people? That's an excellent question. So, look, you mentioned it absolutely correctly. So, my I started my career in agency land. I was I was sort of a junior in a PR agency, and that's where I worked on E. And I also worked across corporate, you know, type businesses. And one of the biggest challenges is trying to keep across a, a, an ever-changing media landscape. Um, and particularly in Australia, it's extremely fast moving. So we work across, you know, tell them we work across, uh, as I said, Australia, New Zealand and Asia Pacific. Um, the news and moves that we report on and the way that we update the platform, uh, we can see just statistically that the Australian media moves much faster than many of the other media markets we work in. Um, and, you know, while, you know, your relationships in PR uh, are one of the core things that you need to have to do PR successfully, uh, it's also, you know, a bit of a numbers game sometimes. And so you need to know just very quickly who's doing what, where and when. And that's not necessarily, sorry, I should, I should explain that, having to call up newsrooms and figure out who is the reporter you're trying to get in touch with. That's not really the value add that a PR person provides. The value add is really understanding, you know, how newsrooms work, what are journalists after, you know, what are angles, those kind of things. And so we kind of take that legwork um, away from PR so they can get on and do the really value-adding stuff for their clients. And and that's what I really love is those little questionnaires that you do with each journalist as well, you know, like what time they have their meetings, whether they want to meet in person or have a coffee and what kind of stories they're interested in. And that gives you a real insight. So what what do you think that most journalists want from PR professionals when you look at those little questionnaires? Excellent question. I mean, in Australia, there are somewhere in the region of sort of, you know, 12 to 15,000 journalists. And they're obviously, you know, each and every one is unique and special like a snowflake. Um, <laughs> but, you know, on the whole, what they're really looking for from PRs is not for them to write the story for them. What they're looking for is for PRs to understand the pressures that are on them. So, you know, you, you mentioned those sort of questionnaires that we do. Um, you know, we sort of try and provide information, like you say, um, you know, like deadlines, times that uh, editorial planning meetings are happening. Just some of those hygiene factors are really going to set you ahead when you're, sorry, set you apart when you're reaching out to a journalist. Um, you know, beyond that, there are just really practical things that, you know, they're looking for. You know, present the information easily upfront, be really honest, um, make sure that what you're presenting is news and not advertorial. I mean, I could go on, but, you know, those are kind of the key things. Oh, no, we want you to go on. Go on. We love those things. So, so understanding the outlets, obviously, really important. Yeah, that and is then, probably, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Joe, but that is probably yeah. number one thing that I hear from journalists is I just want the PR people to know my outlet. Now, you know, no one's going to know it as well as the editors and the journalists. Like, I think that's a given. But, you know, it's when you're pitching stories or people are, are getting in touch with stories or products that are just so wildly outside or or sort of a wildly more on the ad, uh, advertising side of things than editorial, that's when they get really irked. Um, and to give you an example, I, you know, we at Tellum, we host uh, an event series. They, they used to be live prior to COVID and hopefully they can be that way again. <laughs> um, but I remember, um, you know, we, we always send out uh, feedback forms to, to, our, to our attendees and say, look, what did you think? And I won't, I certainly won't mention names, but a particular PR after an event with someone at the Australian Financial Review, which is a major newspaper in Australia, you know, national newspaper. 
um, and easy to get a hold of as well, I would say. A particular PR said to me, the feedback was the journalists are always looking uh, for us to know what they're what's in the paper and, you know, what's the format. So I really think you should have provided me with a copy of the financial review because my boss doesn't give it to me. Um, You know, look, that's one person. But I think the point is, you know, take the, you know, make the effort, take the steps to get to know an outlet and it will really set you apart. I I agree. I often tell um, clients to actually start reading the paper and following someone's byline or watching a few stories maybe on their individual Facebook or Instagram feed if they're in broadcast media to actually get a bit of a feel for the person. Sometimes I think if you're on if you're if you're the talent you're just looking at it in terms of what's in it for me and you're forgetting that whole connectivity component with working with the journalist. So I do, I do love that. It's a, it's a little bit of um, empathy for the journalist as well, being in their shoes and knowing how their newsroom actually operates. So on that topic and leading into this, have you got any practical ideas that PRs can impl- implement straight away that will maybe relieve some of these journo pet peeves? <laughs> Another excellent question. Um, so the first thing is, you know, buy subscriptions. I mean, I, you know, I, I love the media and I make my, my, you know, my, my living out of making sure there's a thriving media. So engage with media, read stories, buy subscriptions. You know, that's number one, you know, on the top of the list. But, you know, other kind of practical things are, you know, pitch stories early. Um, journalists really appreciate that. You know, sometimes you need to do it under what's called an embargo, which is where you can maybe give a story to a journalist ahead of time with the understanding that they're not going to print it until a particular day so that it doesn't ruin your kind of campaign coming out early. So that's always a good thing. But, you know, pick up the phone, be really honest and explain what your strategy is because, you know, these days everyone kind of understands that it's a hyper-competitive landscape. So people are far more open to that. So pitch early, be really honest and upfront, absolutely. Um, You know, if it is an exclusive that you're offering, make sure that you tell the journalist that upfront. Journalists are extremely time poor and get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails every single day, both, you know, from PRs, other sources, and of course, internally from the rest of their business as well. Um, So you want to make it really clear. Um, I would I would be very, very clear to emphasize that PR is not an SEO game. Um, you know, we all know search engine optimization and PR can help with that. But what you do need to be aware of is how to market the story that you're trying to sell to a journo. So make sure you've got a really strong subject line. If it's an exclusive, let them know up front. I'd say that's sort of another bugbear that we hear quite a lot, that things sort of tend to get lost in good stories. And also... Also, honouring the exclusive, if you promise an exclusive, don't then send it out to 10 different places. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, journos are pretty um, switched on people. Their job is to keep, to continually scan the, you know, the media environment and they will find out. Um, and, you know, journalists also have very long memories uh, and, and good filing systems often with their blacklists. So um, I would say definitely don't break an exclusive uh, or an embargo that you yourself have kind of uh, imposed. David, one of the things that I, we had a bit of a chat before, one of the things I thought was really interesting was about PDFs mm. for your media releases. Yes. Now, again, this is a really practical thing, but journalists will, you know, the I, I, I'll take a step back. The idea with press releases and stories that you're sending to journalists is that you're trying to make it really, really easy 
for journalists to do their jobs, right? So, you know, you really hope that journalists, uh, you know, essentially, sometimes they do, actually just copy and paste what you've written in your press release and your story and put it straight into their content management system and that could end up in the paper, you know, just as an example. Um, So don't put in a PDF where they can't do that. If you're going to send them images, don't embed it somewhere that they've then got to sort of figure out how to get a high-res version of it, send it through as different versions. In fact, just before this um, this call, I actually just hosted an event uh, with a senior journalist at the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, and she gave some excellent advice that I'd never heard of before, but I thought it was absolutely brilliant to do with images. Sometimes you may be trying to illustrate a story with an image, um, but it's actually not your image to give. You may not have the rights to it. Um, Send the image to the journalist, let them know that, and the journalist may actually, or the journalist and the newsroom may actually have deals in place with image services where they can get hold of the image anyway, or they can find a very similar image. Um, So again, it's all just about transparency and having that conversation and just making the job really, really easy for the journalist. So COVID's obviously taken a huge toll on the industry. And one of the difficulties with that has been that, oh gosh, so many outlets, magazines, websites, they've all closed down. How has Tellum been keeping up with that? Late nights and early mornings. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, it's 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 been a really interesting time. I think you know, in I think you know, March when COVID obviously all kicked off, March twenty twenty, we were you know, everyone was kind of worried. Will there be a media left? Um, the really interesting thing is that we, of course, have seen publications close and you know, uh, titles change and maybe you know, print go online only. All of those kind of things. It's so we, sad. It is so oh, sad, isn't oh, it? Terrible. Cool. Particularly when you know, tra- you know, quote unquote, traditional media um, has proven itself to be probably the most trustworthy source of news and information. Um, and you know, where did you turn to when everything was going to pot? Really, I mean, you turned to the major networks and the major TVs and, you know, the sources that you can really trust. No one's turning to Instagram to find out, you know, what the lockdown rules are. Um, but having said all of that, what was really fascinating, and we, we did a feature and an interactive map for our clients, uh, you could see over the course of this year, something in the region of 40 to 50 new local news titles have actually opened. Um, and that is really hardening. And I think it's a it's a conversation worth happening. Uh, sorry, worth having. Um, you know, you've got people, and I'm certainly not pointing the finger at you know any particular publisher, but you've got publishers like News Corp and Australian Community Media that closed a lot of their regional and local pi- uh, papers or turned them purely to online. And everyone kind of said, this is the end of local local news and local media. But I think what, you know, when you scratch below the surface, what was actually happening is they were right-sizing the business. Like that's a very management term, but basically they simply said, look, for our cost base, for what it costs us to print all these papers, have journalists on staff, all the HR costs and training costs and all this stuff, it doesn't make sense for us to do it the way that we've been doing it. But new publications, new publishers that don't have those same overheads have been opening up. And that's actually been a really inspiring sort of story over the last year or so that hopefully businesses that aren't encumbered by, you know, legacy, you know, systems can make a go of it. We'll certainly keep an eye and see if, you know, they, they, they're still around, you know, next year and the year after. But I, I'm sort of tentatively optimistic. It's very interesting, actually. It's, it goes full cycle. They start off local and grassroots, then they get bigger 
then they the bigger ones decide that it's not cost effective but then they go back to their roots again so i'm excited to hear that that's happening as well but tell me on the media side of things journalists are able to put in media requests which tellum sends out to its subscribers can you explain a little bit more for our listeners how that actually works yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that anyone should know about Tellum is we are not a PR agency and we don't do what a PR agency does, nor do we want to do that. Um, you know, we, we work with agencies and in-house teams from, you know, one person to, you know, very, very large organisations at the centre of government and, you know, sort of major institutions. So we, we never want to be a PR agency. However, we do have literally thousands of PR people um, and media relations professionals logging into Tellum every single day and reading our new services that sort of talk about what's happening in the media industry. So what that means is that quite effectively journalists can put call-outs to the media relations industry and say, hey, I'm looking for help with particular stories. Sometimes they're really, really serious. You know, sometimes it's, you know, 7.30 looking for, you know, businesses that have been affected for COVID. And sometimes they're absolutely ridiculous, like, um, you know, I'm looking for air fryer recipes. So they work right across the gamut of, um, you know, lifestyle to really serious business and everything in between. How that works is PRs can then kind of log in, see all the live requests. And, you know, that is literally an opportunity for a client or for a business to get coverage in the media. You don't have to respond, obviously, if it's not a story you want to be talking about, that's fine. But it is literally a live opportunity to do that. And what I always say to people is, you know, a particular media request may not be super relevant for you. You know, it may be a really general request like, you know, someone's, you know, Airbnb hasn't been filled because of COVID. Um, That may not be your client or may not be your business, but you may know someone in your network who can help out. And if you can make that introduction to the journalist, it's a great way to build a relationship regardless. And if it is for your client or for your business, you know, it's a win-win really. That's great advice. I think it's also um, how you reply to those as well, isn't it? There's, is there any sort of tips around that, well, how to reply to those journal requests? Well, firstly, I'd say please tell them you came from Tellum. Um, <laughs> we'd love that. Oh, good, good tip. <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> but, but no, I, mean, I mean, look, the, the thing I would say is, you know, media relation rules apply. Um, it really is just tell them up front at the top of an email without lots of waffle exactly how you can help them. And that's really going to sort of put, you know, make you their best friend. And one of the things that's really quite tricky to keep track of is um, pitches, especially when you're working across multiple client accounts and stories. But Tellum can actually help with that, can't it? Yeah, that's right. I think we have always operated sort of, I guess, you know, almost like a cloud-based service. Um, you know, we, the idea is multiple people working in multiple countries or locations around Australia, all kind of, you know, dealing with media and, and looking at it as one function. And so pretty much from day one, we've had uh, a CRM or, you know, a customer relationship management system where you're able to put notes. Um, it was originally designed just to be able to keep a record of, you know, hey, you know, Joe knows this person. And so if you're, if you're trying to pitch that person, get into with Joe first and she can maybe give you some insight. 
but it's kind of evolved, you know, quite a lot since then. And so now, as, as you say, Greg, you're actually able to log individual pitches. You're able to run reports on who you're speaking to, you know, what you're speaking to them about, when you spoke to them, all that kind of good stuff. You're able to store, you know, images, um, email chains, whatever you like, essentially, in the system on the journo profile. And so it's really, really good to help build up that institutional memory. Um, and I always say there are some things that Telem is, you know, I would say there's lots of things that Telem is really good at, um, but there are lots of things that we can't do, nor should we do. And PR professionals, you know, are going to be building very different kind of relationships with journalists, as they should, that, you know, Telem just can't. And so you can store information about that journalist, you know, that that we just can't do it. And it's a great place to build that long-term, you know, knowledge about the media industry. So what do you think is that really misunderstood about that relationship between PR and journalists? We spend a lot of time in our business talking about what PR actually is. And the first thing we have to say is, look, it's not advertising. You know, once it's left our hands, it's important to allow a journalist to do their job. So do you think that's one of the misunderstood things about PR? Totally. Uh, I, I suspect I'm not alone when I say that uh, when for the, you know, for the first almost 12, 15 years of my career that I was doing public relations and corporate affairs, my parents had no idea what I did for a living. Um, I think <laughs> one of the most misunderstood professions. Uh, and eventually you kind of it's give so up. It's so true. It's so true. It's actually why we're starting this podcast as well, because even though we're communicators, how come no one gets what we do? And it's because we stay in the background. So it's it's so fascinating. And almost everyone that I know in comms will actually say the same thing, my mum or dad or my cousin just doesn't understand what I do. You know what? It's an excellent drinking game at a PR Christmas party who, you know, whose parents understand what they do and you're bound to be drunk in the next <laughs> half an hour. Um, so, so, look, I think, you know, what is misunderstood about the relationship? I think the first thing to say, you know, you, you've hit the nail on the head. I think it was Joe who said it, that, you know, PR is not advertising. Um, you cannot control the message. It's, uh, you know, I'm a big proponent of doing PR and using media as a channel, you know, to get messages across and communicate with your audiences. But it is inherently a risky proposition if you don't know what you're doing because, you know, you do not not have control. It is completely in the hands of the journalist and their editor. And that's really where, you know, I would say that's kind of why PR people are so important if you're going to be doing media relations. Um, You know, you can have a go and we've certainly got clients who, you know, are just trying it and, you know, doing, doing it really well, but it's not going to work for everyone. So I think there is a reason why PR is a profession, really. You know, you need skills, you need contacts, you need experience, you need to understand newsrooms. Um, and, and I just think, you know, a big mistake is just to lob a whole bunch of stuff out. Worst case scenario, nothing happens, you hear nothing back. Sorry, best case scenario, apologies. You hear nothing, you know, nothing back and nothing happens. Worst case scenario you know, the way that you told a story, you know, ends up, you know, costing you dearly. I, I actually have an example of a client who came to me after subscribing to a media database and thinking that she'd just have a crack at sending out 
whatever she thought was a fair thing and it actually turned into a negative story. So she actually created her own crisis. Oh, no. From then on was terrified of this database. She thought that all journalists were just really difficult people and when I actually saw what she sent, I explained to her why that would have turned out the way it would turn out. But we do these things implicitly without actually really thinking that other people don't understand what we do. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's why we're professional PR people. <laughs> and, I, and I think, uh, I like I always say, I think like 50% of our job's actually hiding stuff from the media as well. Like it's not all about actually getting things in the media necessarily. Oh, look, so. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I can tell you having worked in, you know, look, we've all done it. You know, you've done it agency side. I've done it in-house. But, you know, a big part of the problem with PR, and I think this is also really important for anyone embarking on engaging an agency or hiring someone in-house to do PR, is is actually how do you sort of judge the value of PR? Um you know, yes, you can look at, you know, the old school way of doing it is column inches and, you know, what was the advertising, what would have cost you to advertise if you had that kind of space. That's really old school thinking. Um, even with really sophisticated measurement, um, you know, were your key messages in the story, you know, how many of them were there, you know, what time was it in, all that kind of stuff. Like you can get quite sophisticated with it, but what you will never be able to measure is the value you saved because of the stories you stopped. Um, and that is a huge part of public relations that I think goes un, un sort of spoken about quite a lot. Absolutely. I use a slightly different euphemism for it. I like to put my clients in the best light possible. And, you know, obviously you're getting rid of the shadows on the face <laughs> in that process. <laughs> um, now, of course, the all important question is around who can access and use this service? Well, I mean, really, you know, anyone can if they want to. It's very, very rare we've ever turned anyone away. Um, but I would say that I think the real value from a, a platform like Tellum is that, you know, for, well, first of all, the thing is Tellum is a, is a tool. You really need to be able to use it. So, you know, we've already spoken about that person who, who put something out not really knowing how to do it and it costs cost them dearly. Um, you know, I think anyone can do it, but you sort of need to know what, what you're doing. Um, I have a good analogy, you know, a good sort of, you know, way of describing it to people. It's probably not going to be the mum and dad fish and chip shop, fish and chip shop down the road who, do, who, who goes to tell them, you know, that person really can look up their local publication, get in touch and get publicity that way. But I think it's going to be the people who own maybe a chain of fish and chip shops or, you know, the person who has a real kind of media issue or media story that they need to tell. Those are the people that I think will get the most out of Tellum, as well as, you know, sort of big sophisticated businesses or medium-sized businesses who are trying to promote themselves. Thanks so much for coming on It's PR Darlings, David. I think the takeaways for me are pitch early, keep your promises on exclusive and embargoes, buy subscriptions. I think that's such an important takeaway from today. And there's a reason that PR is a profession. So thank you so much. We really appreciate your insights today. Joe and Greer, thank you so much for having me and thanks and, and good luck with It's PR Darlings. And tell them it's one of those services that make public relations just so much easier, especially now in times of such huge change. And because it's your contacts that really make or break you in this business. We have all the details of the Tellum service in the show no notes and um, we really encourage everyone to have a look at it and to sign up for the email blast. They're full of great opportunities and really helpful PR tips.
Today's podcast is brought to you by the word talent. Journos might ask you what talent you have for your story, and unless it's a circus story, your talent for juggling is not what they are after. Talent is simply the person who is going to be interviewed for the story, and the quality of the talent really makes or breaks the story too. Sometimes the talent is an expert in their field or a thought leader who adds information on the story or a critical analysis of the topic. Other times the talent might be a case study or someone who adds to the colour of the story or provides an example or context for the topic. So for the majority of us being what's known as good talent and delivering interesting content while looking relaxed and comfortable doesn't actually come naturally. And I think you'd be surprised at how much work actually goes into it. So when we do media training, we talk a lot about it being a performance or having a performance mindset when you do media. And look, if it works for Beyonce with her Sasha Fierce persona, then you can make it work for you too. So we've got three tips for you. Be on time. Being late is a real mood killer for journos. They don't have time to waste, so be there ready so you don't get off on the wrong foot before the interview even begins. And be well prepared with your key messages. So you need to know what you can say, think about how to deliver your messages in an interesting fashion that's timely, relevant, and adds depth to the story. And politicians are a really great example for this about being prepared. Most of them would actually have their communications team rehearse the answers to difficult questions in the days and sometimes even weeks before interviews. So it's a really key part of being great talent. And our third tip is to video yourself just using your phone, delivering some of the answers to the questions that you think you might be asked and listen back for vocal tics because sometimes it's not the um that people say a lot. It can be starting the sentence with yes or look or, you know, like is another big one that people uh, tend to use. These things can be really annoying to listen to for the audience and make grabs too long or difficult to edit for the journalist. Also, using the person's name, the journalist's name mid-sentence, I find is really difficult to edit out. And people think it makes them quite warm when they're talking to the journalist and using their name, but really the journal needs clean content so that they can slot it into their story and it can run anywhere. Journos love talent that deliver what they need, so be good talent and you'll have the media knocking down your door to interview you. So that's the podcast for this week. Do all the things like subscribe and share and if you have anything that you want us to cover please get in touch. It's PR Darlings is on all the socials. I'm Greer Quinn from Forward Communications. And I'm Joe Stone from Sticks and Stones PR and we are your PR Darlings. See you next week. Bye-bye.